Hello there, people. Welcome to Flight Review. My name is Ray. Thank you so much for joining me. And today I am here to give my very honest, blunt, and in some cases brutal thoughts on Madam Web. But the brutality that I am going to be speaking on in this particular episode is going to be, well, just a little different than what you might expect given reactions to this particular film. Now, here's what's going to happen. Uh, first, I'm going to tell you and remind you that this show, along with my other shows, the Flight Cast, Flight Chat, and a number of others, Flight Box as well, the TV Review Show, are all part of the FlightCast.com podcast network that you can find at the FlightCast.com or wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, all that good stuff, or if you use the Overcast podcatcher app, which I use as well. And I'll also take a moment to thank all of the supporters at Patreon.com slash the FlightCast who have bought into the flight officer tier and have been patiently, very patiently, patiently waiting for updated content to be posted on my Patreon. I did post a review last week of Frasier, the Frasier revival on Paramount+. Plus. I gave my honest thoughts on that, and I've got a couple of other reviews, some honest opinions with respect to television and movies that I'm going to be posting to there in the not-too-distant future as well. But thank you to those of you who have subscribed and our loyal patrons at patreon.com slash theflightcast, and thank you to anyone else who supports theflightcast.com in any way, shape, or fashion that they decide to. So with that, the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you exactly how this is going to work. First, I'm going to tell you exactly what I honestly thought of the Madam Web film, which really shouldn't take that long because there isn't too much for me to say about this particular film. But after that, the bulk of my brutality is going to come in the explanation of exactly why this movie is being met with fire and brimstone, the likes of which we may have never seen with particular movies, at least comic book movies. I mean, seriously, the amount of vitriol and the amount of anger and the amount of frustration and the amount of time-wasting caterwauling that I have seen on social media from mutuals, right? These are mutuals that I've unfortunately had to mute within the last 48 hours because they're just being too negative. And I really don't give a shit how reasonable they are the majority of the time that I speak with them. I don't need to see that negativity. Sorry, not sorry. If you're somebody that listens to my show and you're one of the individuals that I'm talking about, and I'm not going to name names, I'm not. I'm not going to name names. I'm going to be nice and not do that. I very well could. But if you've been on threads in the last couple of days, then you know exactly at least a few of the people that I'm talking about. And look, guys, I love you, and, you know, we can be amicable and agree on a number of other things, but I don't tolerate hatred from anybody, whether they're mutuals or not. So you're muted for the time being until you stop bitching and moaning about this movie. I'm just being completely honest with you. There's a little taste of the bluntness that I'm going to be, the brutality, if you will, that I'm going to be displaying in the second part of this particular review. But we'll get to that, because I have a lot of thoughts about exactly who hates this movie and why they hate this movie, because I know why. Whether you admit it or not, if you're someone that's listening to this or whether they listen to this, I know why you hate this movie. And it sucks, but it's your business and it's all subjective. We'll get into that. But hey, let's start off with my honest thoughts, brief as they may be, about the actual Madam Web film. High-level thoughts, guys? I liked it. Seriously, I I wasn't bothered by it, okay? And you got to understand, you know, based on the hyperbole that I have been seeing and that so many of us have been seeing, you know, it, not even just in the last couple of weeks, but really the last year or so, right? The moment this movie was announced, 
there was all manner of groaning and caterwauling like, oh, why is Sony doing this? What is Sony doing? All of that second guessing going on. And so you got to understand that in between that and the extra added hyperbole of everyone's reactions this past week, I prepared myself for the requisite level of pain that I could experience. But even then, even in as much as I prepared myself for a level of pain with this particular film, I knew that it couldn't possibly be as bad as other comic book movies that I have watched. And, you know, that that's a little, a small glimpse into what I'm going to be talking about later is my perspective on this is that I guarantee that going into this film, it's not as bad as other comic book movies I've watched. But I have to remind myself that I'm 41. I've been on this earth for a little over four decades. I've watched more comic book movies than apparently the majority of mankind has. Or humanity in that regard. We should stop saying mankind, shouldn't we? We should say humanity in that regard. Far more progressive. I've clearly seen more comic book movies than humanity has seen in present day. Because I can go back further than 2008 for my comic book film knowledge. I can go back to 1989. Hell, I can go back to 1978 and 1966. I've seen comic book movies that were created and produced and distributed before I was even born or thought of on this earth. So I know what bad actually is in a subjective sense. So I guess you could say that my level of bad, my threshold for bad and like worst ever is way higher or, or, or way lower, whichever way you want to look at it. I've seen the worst of the worst and Madam Web is nowhere near the worst of the worst. There are comic book movies that have come out post pandemic that are far worse than Madam Web, in my opinion, one of which is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. In fact, I can count on one hand a couple of Marvel Cinematic Universe movies that I would watch Madam Web over. Now, to be clear, I don't think Madam Web is a good movie. I don't think it's a terribly good movie. I think it's a meh movie, and that is as far as I will go with any of you that want to complain about it. It's a meh movie. It's a paint-by-numbers movie in many ways. Does it do a whole lot? No, not really. Is it terribly exciting? No, not terribly exciting. You know, it, but the problem is, is it's one of those get me over comic book movies that just, you know, kind of happens, you know, not necessarily, not necessarily in a vacuum, but it's just kind of there, right? It's not, it, it could lead to something bigger, but it's not necessarily the strongest start. But by the same token, it's not, it, it didn't kick my dog. And so many of you want to act like it kicked your dog and, you know, crapped all over your fence and did whatever and, and just, you know, de declared war against your family and it, it's whatever. People are just taking it so damn personally. But it's a meh movie. Seriously, I didn't leave the theater like, oh, wow, that was a waste of $15.69, which that's what I paid for. I bought it. Matinee prices for IMAX have kind of skyrocketed. I used to be able to pay $10 or less for an IMAX uh, a matinee screening of even a comic book movie. It, I paid $15.69 after tax and, you know, Fandango convenience fees to go see it at my local IMAX theater at 1.40 in the afternoon on a Saturday. And it was hardly a packed house. But you know what? There were more people in there than I thought there would be. I was expecting, based on, you know, the Rotten Tomatoes scores and everybody's hyperbole, that it was going to be like when I saw Ghostbusters 2016. When I saw Ghostbusters 2016... You know, for, for evening prices, you know, at like 7 o'clock at night in that same IMAX theater, there were three other people in the theater. And this was on like opening weekend, right? That was Ghostbusters 2016. There was at least 20, 30 people in my theater, you know, when I saw this at 1.40 on a Saturday afternoon. So no, not your typical, 
you know, expected comic book movie opening weekend, you know, crowd. But by the same token, not nobody, right? You know, it, it, some people saw this movie. And I'll get into reasons why I don't think a lot of the general audience is going to care for this movie. It has nothing to do with anybody's perceived hatred of it or why they hate it. But here, high level, I liked it enough. You know, it. I didn't leave the theater disappointed. I didn't leave the theater angry. I didn't leave the theater frustrated. I left the theater going, you know what? I, it was it was fine for what it was. It was enjoyable because I have the ability to level set. And I don't go into these movies thinking, you know, that it's going to be another No Way Home or another Avengers or, or a Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah, that's my bar, okay? Subjectively speaking. No, I know that not all of these comic book movies are going to be like that. Not even all of the MCU is like that or the DCEU. And it will be the same going forward for the DCU as well. There's going to be some movies that are going to be significantly lesser than others in a subjective sense. This is one of them. But you know, I feel like I've been more fair to the Sony universe of Marvel characters, the Sony Spider-Verse, whatever the hell they want to call it. I feel like I've been a lot more fair to that than most people, to be honest with you, because they've made four movies so far. Venom, uh, Morbius, Venom Let There Be Carnage, and now this, Madam Web. And I haven't disliked any of them, truthfully. Do I hold them in high regard? Well, the first Venom I do. I really enjoyed the first Venom quite a bit. But I don't look at Morbius, Let There Be Carnage, or Madam Web as like, oh my goodness, this is the pinnacle. No, they're, they're just mid. They're not awful. They're not horrible. They don't put a, a, a pox on my house. But I'm not putting them in the same category as the Zack Snyder trilogy or Avengers Infinity War or... You know, the Captain America, the Winter Soldier. No, they're, of course they're not on that level. I would never put them that high. But I didn't hate them. I don't see a reason for me to hate them. And again, I'll talk about the reasons why I think a lot of you, you know, if you're listening to this, or a lot of the fans do hate this movie. But getting into what I thought of this movie, right? You know, I'll start as I normally do with these reviews, with the cast. In my humble opinion, the cast of Madam Web is literally 50-50. Because as strong as Sidney Sweeney, Isabella Merced, and Celeste O'Connor's chemistry are as the three girls, Julia, Anya, and Maddie, that's how comparatively weak you get performances from you know, Dakota Johnson herself, Tahar Rahim, and, you know, anybody else that's in the film. But, you, you know, it it's weird. It, Dakota Johnson, talking about her for a second, I, I can't tell you that I've really seen anything else that she's been in. I've heard things and I've heard she's not necessarily the greatest to work with on set, but I don't know how true some of those set reports are because there's a lot of hyperbole even within that. But to me, she seemed like a very wooden character, a very wooden protagonist, if you will. And what I couldn't decide was whether or not that was how she was written or whether or not that was how she was acting it. And I think it was kind of a combination of both. And I do think that her character, Cassie, is written to be like a wooden, more emotionless character. Like, it, it's clear that they're trying to set her up as that, like, as you go through this film. And I'm not really going to dive into, like, heavy spoilers. There's going to be, there may be some spoilers into this. But am I that worried necessarily about people seeing it? Well, maybe some of you want to see it, so I'll give the, the spoiler warning, if you will. There may be some light spoilers here, but I don't feel like the need for anything heavy in this regard. But we'll see how it goes. The way that they portray her character, the way that her character is written, the way that she does it, yeah, she's supposed to be kind of like this emotionless, wooden individual that tries to avoid emotional contact, but ends up having some emotional moments when she goes to save the three girls, you know, from Ezekiel, you know, the, the Tahar Rahim's 
character. So, you know, I'm, I'm 50-50 on that. I, I didn't hate it, but it wasn't great either. It didn't, like, jump out at me. Like, she wasn't, like, the strongest protagonist we've seen. You know, it, 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 so I, that was, I was iffy on that. You know, but that's where the meh really starts. It starts with, you know, how that role is portrayed. Because there were moments where I thought she was very wooden and boring, and then there were other moments where I was like, oh, okay, no, I... I see a little bit of the of, of what she may have here, but again, I've never seen the Fifty Shades movies, and I've never seen. I really I can't think of anything else that I've really seen her in. So this might be like the first Dakota Johnson movie I've ever like officially watched all the way through, perhaps. So it is what it is, and you know, it, with respect to Tahar Rahim and how he plays Ezekiel, now he's a one note plot device villain. He is, and and there's not a whole lot of development there. You just know that he's somebody that, you know, wants the spider venom for himself and is trying to outrace his mortality by taking out the, the, the girls before they can kill him because he's he has a vision that they're going to kill him at some point in the not-too-distant future, right? That's what he's cursed with in that regard. But he, there's not a whole lot to him. There, there's it, it's Is it as bad as Malekith the Accursed in Thor the Dark World? No, no, I, I, I think he's just a little bit better than Malekith. And probably a little bit better than, like, Kaecilius. I'm thinking of some of the weaker Marvel Cinematic Universe villains, right? And, and you know, and, and I don't know Tahir Rahim from anything else, you know, but but obviously I know Mads Mikkelsen, who played Kaecilius, and, and of course I know uh, Christopher Eccleston, who played Malekith. And I always thought of those villains as, wow, that was a real waste of how they wrote this character in terms of the actor's prowess and ability. And I would say that this villain is a little ahead of theirs, but but not a whole lot. Not by much. It's essentially the same. Plot device villainy. If you've seen one, you've seen them all in these types of movies. This is the same deal. So no, it, it's not a strongly it's not a strongly writ villain whatsoever. I mean, he he plays the part of moving the story along for the girls. That's it. You know, to be honest with you, for for the whip for the ladies, I should say. So you know, that's whatever. You know, Zosia Mamet is in this. She's whatever is a supporting character. So is Adam Scott. They're not given a whole lot to do whatsoever. Neither is Emma Roberts who plays Mary Parker in this, you know, when Adam Scott is playing Ben Parker. So that's a bit of spoilers. And that goes into the Spider-Man Easter egg territory that, you know, if you will, that, that is kind of littered, you know, kind of scattered throughout this film, which, you know, none of those necessarily bothered me, but I'll talk about that a little bit more when I get into writing on this movie. But yeah, you know, it, really the strength of the cast was the three girls. You know, it, 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 Sydney Sweeney as Julia Carpenter, Isabella Merced as Anya Corazon, and Celeste O'Connor as Maddie Franklin. I can't say that I've seen any of their other movies as well, except for Celeste O'Connor, because she is in the Ghostbusters. She's in Ghostbusters Afterlife, and she's going to be in the new one, Frozen Empire. So that's, I've gotten a little bit of, of, of a taste of her acting in, in those movies, but these are all young girls, and I thought their chemistry actually was pretty good. I actually really liked the the the, the coming of age, like you know, kind of orphaned chemistry that the three of them all share. You know, the the the, the circumstances of you know how they come together. I thought that that was actually really organic, the way that they were behaving. And and there are times where they have some stronger moments with Dakota Johnson's Cassie, and they kind of bring more of the more emotional acting out of her in some of those interactions. And so that's where the good 50% comes into play for me to, to offset the rest of what really doesn't stand out a whole lot with respect to this cast. Again, not bad, just meh. So we're level setting here, right? We're, we're in the middle. Like we're, we're just like, eh, you know, it, it is what it is, right? You know, that that's, that's how I'm looking at it so far. Right. So those are my thoughts 
primarily on the cast. Mike Epps is in the movie for two seconds. It, it, he's in the movie for less than I thought he was going to be. So, you know, no comic relief with respect to that. So, so I was okay with that, to be honest with you. But yeah, not a whole lot else to say about the cast of Madam Web in that regard. When we get to the writing of Madam Web, I think this is where, you know, uh, commonly speaking, when we find comic book movies or any movies that are either meh to bad, the number one culprit usually is the writing. And and I think that is the weakest link of this particular film is the writing. And, you know, who who is the screenwriter on this particular film? Well, something that we used to always point out on our Squadcast Media, our Squadcast Movie episodes over at the Squadcast Media Patreon is... Whenever you have multiple screenwriters on a particular script, that can denote some issues. And here, of course, we have four names listed for the screenplay for Madam Web. Matt Sazama, Burke Sharpless, Claire Parker, and S.J. Clarkson, who is the director of this film. The story is written by Karim Sanga, Matt Sazama, and Burke Sharpless. All right, so you've got, what, five different names attached to this. That can spell trouble. That can, because that, that can mean rewrites. That can, you know, writing on the fly, that can mean a lot of, you know, unpredictable elements that can certainly affect the story progression of this film. I will say this, that when it comes to plot holes and when it, you know, the the most overused, badly misinterpreted term, you know, that, that I can think of with respect to film elites, when it comes to plot holes and things that, you know, don't necessarily make sense in that regard... I do feel like there's significantly less of them in this movie than there is in, say, Morbius, to be honest with you, or, you know, even Let There Be Carnage. You know, I, I think that the headcanon that is necessary for things in Madam Web is not as necessary as it is for certain other movies, even in Sony's universe here, to be honest with you, because I could still see a progression in terms of what was going on. I could see a linear A to B with respect to the, the plot and the story it just wasn't terribly interesting. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like it, it didn't, you know, it didn't like, you know, stand out to me as one of those like, oh, wow, what an incredible script. No, not really. It it was just paint by numbers. It was just a standard plot line. Right. You know, her her, her mom, you know, like was a, was trying to find a cure for her MS in the And now I am getting into some spoilers here, but her mom was trying to find a, a cure for her MS you know, back in the 70s and thought it was in the venom of these spiders in Peru. And, you know, that's when Ezekiel, you know, shot her and stole the spider for himself. Uh, and apparently the, the, the Spider-Man of that village cursed him. And, you know, they but they allowed her to give birth to Cassie, you know, her, the, the mom. And, you know, Cassie finds all this out later in, in, a, in a great flashback sequence. But, you know, I, I guess Cassie inherently has these abilities because the spider venom that helped you know, heal her mother at least enough for Cassie to be born properly, you know, in, in that, that water, you know, even though her mother died in the process, like, so she, she gains this ability for like, you know, to, to see the future and, and specifically, and they didn't, you know, go in depth into this, but specifically she sees like death, like she can see when people are dying and initially is not certain that she can, you know, stop it, but then comes to realize that she can, and then actually actively works toward stopping it, you know, which totally makes sense given that she's, you know, a paramedic and, you know, is working with, with Ben as a paramedic. So it's like, okay, she is someone that is, you know, brought up to believe in the finality of death, you know, even though she does try to save lives, you know, as, as best as she can. But, you know, now she's been given an otherworldly way to do it. And so this is how she's going to try and do that and, and you know, comes to realize that 
she needs to save the the lives of these three girls because otherwise Ezekiel is going to kill them. Now, why she got on that train, you know, like like the mechanisms behind why she got on the train, that's the one thing that I can point to where it's like, okay, maybe there's a scene missing. Maybe there's something missing here with respect to, you know, what's going to happen, you know, with respect to that. You know, it, it, it but it, so much of it is like, you know, it, it, it's nothing that, you know, jumps out at me and goes, oh, wow, this is horrible. This is the worst movie I've ever seen. No, it, it's not that serious. It's not that strong. It just isn't. And again, I've seen movies with way worse scripts than this. Comic book movies with far worse scripts than this. You know what this movie doesn't have that a lot of those other bad scripts have? Tonal inconsistency. I don't feel a sense of whiplash, or at least I didn't feel a sense of whiplash going back and forth from like a comedic tone, you know, with a bunch of one-liners and stupid quips to a serious tone with a bunch of overly dramatical stuff and, and you know, decompression. I, I didn't feel like there was a whiplash effect with respect to this. And I actually don't think that this movie has a pacing issue in that regard, with in that respect. I just don't think that the story is anything terribly exciting. It's mildly intriguing. Like, for me, I look at it and I go, oh, well, this is this is interesting, you know, what what direction are we going in with here, you know, what what's going to happen, and, and how is this going to go, and, and just seeing how the characters kind of develop, because, again, to me, it's all about the three girls, and the, the, the times that they bring you know, Cassie into the emotional fold out of her unemotional fold. Like that part of the script is what is most intriguing to me. I think a big reason that a lot of people have issues with it, you know, as far as the the script itself is because you don't see very much, and this is definitely a spoiler, you don't see very much of the action of the girls as the spider women. You see very little of it because the idea, and it became very clear to me what they were doing. Like, as this film was going on, I was like, okay, I see what this is. This is an origin movie. But it's an origin movie in the sense that the best way that I can describe it is for those of you that have seen Batman Begins. Remember, that movie is two hours and 20 minutes long. And remember that the first hour of that movie, there is no Batman. It is the story of how Bruce Wayne becomes Batman, right? That's an hour of development where he, he goes to the League of Shadows and, you know, does the training and then comes to the realization. You know, and, and then when he goes back to Gotham, he, you know, starts to build the identity. And then it, you're an hour into the movie before you see the first appearance of Batman, right? So imagine if somebody decided instead of just taking the first hour of a two hour and 20 minute long movie to do that, if they took a whole movie to do that. That's what Madam Web is. Madam Web is an entire movie of development where you see future glimpses of what the women are going to be, but you don't really see them fully in action. You don't have a major team-up moment where that is going to happen in the movie because we're not there yet. And they even tie that into the plot of the movie, the idea of the future hasn't happened yet. That is a line that comes up at the end of the movie. And that is one thing that I think the the plot actually, the, the story actually does do well, the, the script that is, is it does forward this idea of the future not happening yet and, and trying to control one's destiny. You know, it, is it necessarily the strongest way to convey the message? No, but I, I do think it, it, at least for me, it was effective. Like, I at least got that the message was there. That To me, ineffective messages are when you have no idea what the message is or like, okay, or it's lightly touched upon, or maybe they touch upon it for a minute or two and then they just don't go back to it. No, I think that that message was constantly reinforced in this film. It was just all development, right? There's no real 
action to it in that regard. I mean, there is action in the movie, but the action that I think a lot of fans and a lot of people, maybe even a lot of critics were looking for was, you know, your standard comic book team up action. You wanted to see, you know, that the spider women pretty much developed by like what the midpoint of the movie. And then you, the, the second half of the movie, you wanted to see them all in costume doing their things. Right. I feel like that's where a lot of the disappointment comes from. And that's not what you get in this film because it's a fully de- de- like developmental film. And on the one hand, I get why people wouldn't like that, and I get why people would find that boring, and it it is part of what makes this movie mid. However, on the other part, the other end of it, I get what they were going for, and I get what they were trying to do, because the idea, ballsy enough as it is, you know, they they went for this idea where they were going to spend a whole movie on setup. And it is ballsy. It's a ballsy thing to do, because... You know, you, you don't know how well that first movie is going to do. And, and I'll, I'll get into box office later as well, you know, because it's pretty clear financially speaking. I don't think we're going to get that shot to see it. But I can at least, you know, look at the creators and say, OK, I will give you credit for shooting your shot and trying to make a completely developmental movie. Could you have used some stronger tenets and, and some stronger you know moments in the script, you know, more emotionally engaging, if you will? Yes, you could have. But. I still don't think that what you did was horrible. I still don't think that what you did kicked my dog and, you know, was just this terrible thing that, you know, should never be seen. Let, let us never speak of this movie again. No, it, it it was hardly that. It was, again, best I will go with anybody on this is meh. I will not call this movie bad. I will not call this script bad. I will call it meh. It is a meh script, okay? And it had potential to be higher than that. And if you're that disappointed that it wasn't higher than that, that is your business. But for me, I level set. I went into it going, all right, let's see what this is. I saw what it was and I went, okay, that's as best as I'll give you. Okay. Like, I'm not going to go any further, like higher or lower with that. It's okay. It is an okay script. It's it, it's the weak point of this film, but it is an okay script, not a bad script, and certainly not a great script or even necessarily a good script, subjectively speaking, in that regard, as far as I'm concerned. So now I'm going to talk about the things that I actually really liked about Madam Web, and that is starting with the visuals. I really like how this film is shot. I do. You know, S.J. Clarkson is the director. Now, at one point, you know, she, she's directed a decent amount of television. She's directed, like... You know, episodes of uh, what Doctors, EastEnders, uh, Life on Mars, Dexter, Heroes, House, Ugly Betty. Uh, I guess uh, she was supposed to be working on a, a prequel show to Game of Thrones that, that, that never saw the light of day. Uh, she's done two episodes of Jessica Jones and two episodes of The Defenders. So she is not a stranger to Marvel directing, at least, you know, in a television sense. And I, I think I saw somebody comment. Uh, in fact, while you, I think I'm not, I'm not going to go into all of his you know, uh, what he wrote for flight chat. Cause we'll get into that later this week, but while you part of what he said about, you know, his thoughts on Madam web, which I, I will go ahead and say were definitely more favorable and, and lean more towards how I feel about it than others. He said, he thought it might be better as a TV series. And he might be right. He might very well be right because he felt that there was a decent amount going on that they kind of glossed over that they could have like expounded upon further in television. But SJ Clarkson is a largely television director. At one point she was attached to, the fourth Kelvin timeline Star Trek movie, which is still, you know, in development hell at this point, you know, regardless of what Paramount or anybody else may want to say about that. But, you know, I, I I like the way that this film was, was shot and I like the way that this film was directed and, and composed, you know, the, the cinematography is, is Mauro Fiore. And 
I, I there are certain shots and 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 just you know the, the cinematography and and certain angles and and what they do with the camera that I think you know really does emphasize the, the movement. I, I didn't see a lot of broken shots to be honest with you. I know that there was a, a some comments were made about ADR and yes, there is quite a bit of ADR in this movie, but to me it it didn't take me out of the movie. There are times when ADR really takes you out of the movie because you see that it's not lining up with the, the who is speaking. But I feel like at least through, you know, the, my my first and only watch of this film, I only saw it when, you know, characters had their backs to the others, right? They they tried to hide it as best as they could. And I don't know what the reason for the ADR was, but to me, the editing and the, the, the composition and the cinematography of this film felt stronger than Morbius. It really did, right? Like, like, I didn't watch this movie thinking, oh, well, they clearly cut this off and they clearly cut that off and there was clearly more here that they took out and clearly more there. I, I felt that with Morbius. I did not feel that with this movie, you know, and, and maybe I'll, I'll feel differently on repeat watches. Yeah, I'm going to watch it again. I am. That's going to happen because I don't think this movie should be, I'm not going to kill it with fire. I'm not going to, you know, set it ablaze or whatever. No, I'll, I'll watch it again, but I like the visuals. I liked the way that it was shot. You know, I, I liked the cinematography and, and I, I did like the editing choices that were made. You know, as far as the, the visual effects and the special effects were concerned, I, I didn't see anything that was terribly rubbery or fake, to be honest with you. You know, some of the Madame Web abilities, you know, like that, what is it, that astral projection ability that she has where she can like be in, you know, three different, three or four different places at once. I thought that was done pretty well, truthfully. I, I don't have any complaints visually about the film. I really don't. I, I actually enjoyed the visuals in terms of how the film was composed and shot and, and the visual effects as well. I also really like the score for this movie, to be honest with you. It's by a composer that I, I'm unfamiliar with, Johan Soderfrist, who is a Swedish film composer. Uh, I guess, you know, what has he done? Uh, he's done a ton of films that I've never heard of. I think this is mostly films over in Sweden. I mean, he's been in the business for a long time, seriously. Uh, it says that he has twice been nominated for the European Film Award for Best Composer, but this appears to be, Madam Webb appears to be his first bigger budget American film that he did, at least, and certainly comic book film. I, 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 don't, I see no other comic book films on this list, and again, I, I, I don't know any of these other movies whatsoever that he necessarily composed, a lot of Norwegian and, and, and Swedish stuff. But, you know, his his score for this particular film, you know, it's not bombastic themes. It is more of the atmospheric elemental, like, you know, from the Zimmer school, as I like to call it. But I think it works. And I and I think there are definitely points in the movie where it, it, it's stronger than others. And, you know, there, there isn't a discernible theme here, but I think it does serve to accent the tension and, and certain moments in the script or, or in the movie that you see on screen. And, and of course, as I've said many times, that's the biggest thing that a film score can do is support and accentuate what you see on screen. And, and I, I don't have any cases where I could tell you that this score doesn't do that. Does it stand out as much as, you know, Gorenson's work on Black Panther or anything that Michael Giacchino has done for either Marvel or DC? No, it doesn't. And, and no, it's not in the same school as Zimmer, you know, and like I said, there's no discernible themes in it. So it's not quite on the, on the level of, you know, Rupert Gregson Williams work on, on either Wonder Woman or Aquaman. No, it's not quite like that at all. Like I'm not, I'm not putting him on the same level as other composers. I'm just telling you, I like what he did. I like the music for this movie. I do like the, the orchestral score and, and there are some needle drops in this movie that, you know, are emblematic of the time period because, 
you know, for people who don't know, another spoiler inbound, this is a period piece, technically. It takes place in 2003. And, you know, I think they did their best to try and approximate 2003. If you want to say, well, why does he have a Bluetooth headset? Okay, I'd, you know, I forget how, you know, far behind Bluetooth was back in 2003. Whatever, it, it, it is what it is. You know, I mean, it. There's a, there's a comic book science element to that where it's like, okay, you know, maybe some things were a little bit ahead of the game in 2003 for the sake of plot advancement, you know, it wouldn't be the first time they did that. They do that in comics all the time and, and certainly in comic book movies all the time. But the use of like of Toxic by Britney Spears, I I liked that song, so I didn't have an issue with that myself. And, you know, clearly I I don't know how much they gave Beyonce in residuals for this movie because there's a lot of her imagery, including there was a cover of a, a, a there was a Maxim issue that she was on the cover for that I used to own that was like, oh, it's in that it's at that newsstand. I remember that magazine cover. I used to have that. Uh, so, you know, they, they did what they could as far as like trying to make it a period piece from. Can you believe this? 20 years ago. I don't. Why is 2003? 20 years ago, I don't know, whatever, or 21 years, whatever it is, but at any rate, no, I, I liked the music of this film, I did, I didn't have any issues, and, and then, like I said, the needle drops didn't bother me, there have been plenty of these types of movies where the needle drops do bother me, and it's like, oh, alright, you know, but but it, and it, they come from the, the, the time that the movie was made, right, and, and again, it just goes to where my threshold for bad with respect to these movies, I guess, is a lot higher, if you will, than it is for a lot of other people in that regard. Because, again, I've seen so many of these. But, yeah, I, I didn't have any issues with the music. I, I quite liked the score for what it was and the atmospheric elemental you know, perspective. And I did, didn't mind the needle drops and, and flat out liked the Britney Spears needle drop, in, in my opinion. Subjectively speaking, of course. So overall, my final thoughts on Madam Web is that it's it's an okay movie. It's a meh movie. It doesn't, you know, do anything that puts it in the high tier of, you know, some of the other franchise movies that I've seen whatsoever. No, it's nowhere near the high tier, but it's also nowhere near the low tier, right? I mean, maybe it's a bit closer to the low tier than it is to the high tier, but I would still call it mid. If this were an MCU movie, it would be in my mid tier, you know, maybe mid to low, but I would not put it in my low tier. Off the top of my head, I would watch Madam Web over either of the last two Thor movies very easily. I would watch it over Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 pretty easily, right? Because again, I'm not dealing with too many jokes. I'm not dealing with a bunch of unneeded humor that I think doesn't, you know, that is misplaced. In fact, I think the humor that is in Madam Web is more situational and more organic, you know, for what it is, you know, and I appreciate that it doesn't have all the massively whiplashing tonal shifts in that regard, you know, like it, it, it is what it is. You know, I, I, I don't think it's a great movie and I don't necessarily think it's a movie where it's like, well, this movie is a masterpiece. What are you talking about? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not. It's a meh movie. It is a mid movie, but mid movies are still okay in my regard, right? Like I don't treat them like they are just the bane of my existence, right? Bad ones, subjectively speaking, those like, wow, that, that was, that was really bad. I, I really did not care for that whatsoever but yeah I, I would not put this movie anywhere close to the level of some of the bad ones and just to give you an idea of what I consider bad comic book movies you know Batman and Robin okay this, I'll, I'll watch Madam Web over Batman and Robin very easily there was nothing as stupid as 
a bat credit card and, you know, other shit like that in Madam Web. There just wasn't. Sorry. And, and, and if there was, and you think there was, you know what, I guess that's your business. You can go ahead and feel that way if you like, but there was nothing like that in there to me. You know, I, I saw, you know, one of my, and I, I said I wouldn't name names, but I will say that Brent had made this comment about Superman three being more watchable than this. I disagree with that. <laughs> Truly. I, I, I quite disagree with that because Superman three, you know, was not good. It it wasn't even a Superman movie. It was a Richard Pryor movie featuring Superman. So it already was, you know, behind the eight ball with respect to that, as far as that was concerned. This doesn't do that. This is at least, I can look at Madam Web and say, hey, this is a Madam Web movie, because it is a Madam Web movie. Superman 3 is not even a Superman movie in that regard. So, you know, but this is where my threshold is, right? I, I've... I would watch this well over Howard the Duck. I would watch this well over Son of the Mask. And I'm going over a list of like off the top of my head of different comic book movies that we reviewed again over at Squadcast Media. You know, some of the really bad ones that we've seen. This is nowhere near as bad as any of those is concerned, right? Would I watch this over Green Lantern? Probably, you know, until the new Green Lantern, you know, show or whatever comes out for the DCU. Yeah. You know, okay, so how about, I mentioned, you know, for for the MCU, are there any other MCU movies that I would watch that Madam Web over? You know, I would have to really think about whether I would watch this over Captain Marvel. You know, and, and listen, I know I need to re-adjudicate, you know, my MCU list in terms of, like, where I rank things. But look, again, you know, my thoughts are that, you know, the, the hyperbole surrounding how bad this movie is is utterly ridiculous. And I, I will dive in further into that here in a second, but I do want to give a, a bit of a box office check here. And, you know, it, it, it didn't do well. I mean, obviously, you know, what is it? Uh, 28 million here. Let's, uh, let me pull up box office mojo here real quick. So it's currently sitting at $25.8 million domestically in its opening weekend. And they're not counting President's Day. It is a longer weekend. So they're going to update their totals after Monday. Uh, $51.5 million worldwide. It had an $80 million budget. So it's not like this was a massive budget you know, the, the likes of like Avengers or some of the other bigger Marvel Cinematic Universe films. So, I mean, we'll see what it does, but no, it's the Bob Marley film, One Love from Paramount, beat it out. Absolutely did. And and I, I'm not surprised by that because it's February, we're in the middle of awards season. And, you know, the, I don't think that the marketing, you know, if, if there's one thing that Sony does poorly, I, for all these years, I've wondered if there was anybody out there that does like PR and marketing worse than Warner Brothers, Sony. Sony does not market this film very well. They don't market their live action films terribly well. And and that's unfortunate because I, I think that a little bit better marketing and this could be a movie that even though, you know, fans and whatnot don't necessarily like it, I think general audience would care for it. And, and again, I'll, I'll dive into that a little bit more here. I keep saying that I keep teasing, you know, this litany that I'm about to go in, but, but, but don't worry, it, it's about to happen here shortly. But just finishing my thoughts on this is, you know, Madam Web is just a mid movie a mid-tier comic book film that just kind of exists, right? It's out there and, you know, what it means for the grander scope of Sony's cinematic universe of Marvel characters or Spider-Verse, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. I mean, you know, because it's, it's kind of ambiguous as to whether or not this movie directly connects to any of the other live-action Spider-Man films. It could, it might, especially given when it takes place, but I don't know. It, it's it's tough to say where it fits, right? And I guess 
Sony probably wanted to keep it floating in terms of, well, we could do this with it or we could do that with it. Maybe if they even have like a larger, grander plan like that in store for this, which I guess that may be part of, you know, again, goes into the angst of, you know, how fans and critics are perceiving it is it it doesn't feel the same as, you know, the MCU's plan or or even the DCEU's plan because the DCEU had a plan, you know, before the the Justice League disaster, right? And, And, you know, then they just got very aimless. It seems like Sony is already in the aimless portion, you know, four movies in, perhaps, potentially. I, I don't know. But it certainly was nothing, you know, that I would like, you know, celebrate. It's not like, oh my goodness, what an incredible movie. But it certainly wasn't where it was like, that was the worst thing I've ever seen. I want to scrub my brain clean with Clorox. No, no, absolutely not. I don't feel either extreme with respect to that. This is a gray area movie. I, maybe I'll start calling it that. The, these mid-tier movies are gray area movies. I don't feel incredibly great about it. I don't feel incredibly bad about it. I just know that I didn't waste my money. <laughs> I did not waste my money. I, I went and saw it, and I don't feel like that $15... I, I, I'm still more upset at you know the theater in terms of charging me $15 because, man, why are prices going up? That's ridiculous. Inflation is, is horrible. Like, I'm still angrier at the theater itself for charging me that money than I am at the movie. The movie did what it what it was going to do. The movie is doing what it's going to do. It is what it is, right? So, you know, I, I, I have no animosity towards the film in that regard. It, it's a meh movie. Meh, there are plenty of meh comic book movies that absolutely exist, and you're kidding yourself if you'd think none of them are in the MCU, and and certainly there are some in the DCEU. We, we saw a lot of them last year, to be honest with you. So, you know what? It is what it is. I don't hate it. I don't love it. I'm okay with it. I am. I am okay with it. And, you know, I guess by default that means that I'm happier than a lot of other people that, you know, just absolutely despise it and, you know, want to kill it with fire. All right, so let's talk about those people that want to kill this movie with fire and act like it never happened. The way I see it, I got a list here. Because for all the people that just hate this movie, or it just did not work for them, or they just have to call it categorically bad, or, you know, you know, use the absolutely incorrect and non-existent phrase of it being objectively bad, because there's no such thing as objectively bad. Can't do that. Not with these movies. Good and bad are wholly subjective, no matter what you want to accept or argue about. But I feel like there's four different groups of people, at least, that hate this movie. The first is the worst group, which is misogynists. Because this movie is absolutely a female-led comic book film. Dakota Johnson and the other three girls, absolutely. This is a female-led comic book film, you know, in the same vein as the Marvels, right? In the same vein as Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. And sorry, misogynists are still raging and they're still assholes and they still exist and they're still out there. And that's the number one group that hates this movie. Too many women at the lead. Too many women taking over. Why are we giving women all these comic book films? That's not what the audience wants to see. No, bullshit, asshole. Female-led comic book films are absolutely a part of representation matters. This goes into that. I don't feel that any of you that are listening to this that don't like Madam Web, I don't, or any of my mutuals, I don't feel that any of you are misogynists. If you were, you'd be blocked. And you, your emails would not get read, and I would not give you the time of day because you were a waste of space if you were a misogynist. But that's the number one group, I feel, that hates Madam Web. So we can dismiss those tired, pathetic wastes of life and put them over in the corner, right? But then after that, I think the next group that hates Madam Web is the diehard Marvel Cinematic Universe fan. And that's where we start to get into the real ridiculousness, at least the, the, the subjective ridiculousness of this. 
Because I, and I posted this on threads yesterday, and I still believe this very firmly. If that movie, if that exact same movie, Madam Web, had a Marvel Studios logo at the beginning of it, it would be getting almost as overhyped as the Marvels is. Now again, you if any of you listened to my review of the Marvels, you know I like the movie. You know that I enjoyed the movie. You know that I had good things to say about that movie, even though I would put it in the mid to low tier of the MCU list as currently constituted for me, subjectively speaking. But by the same token, I think it's getting massively overhyped. And I see all of these fans, all these MCU fans that, you know, they, they've dealt with one year, one total year of having to, of bashing. One total year of their favorite franchise getting dragged by trades and by bloggers and by critics, right? One year of it, and they're so much on the defensive. They're like, oh my goodness, no, we must defend the Marvels as fiercely as possible because we're under attack. Now, I'm a DC fan. I still have little to no sympathy for Marvel Cinematic Universe fans that are now getting so defensive over how people come at the franchise. I, I don't. You know, give me a couple more years of you dealing with, you know, is your franchise dead articles. Give me a couple more years of that before you can even talk about approaching my level as a DC fan in terms of that pain and defensive nature with ridiculous with, with respect to that. But if this movie, Madam Web, had a Marvel Studios logo, I guarantee it would have a higher Rotten Tomatoes score with the critics and the audience, and it would definitely have made more money in its opening weekend because a lot less people would have decided to dismiss it. Now, I don't know that it would have, you know, made its budget back, right? I don't think, it, I don't know that it would have beat out the Bob Marley movie, but I do think that the perception of it would be very different in social media circles. Most certainly it would. So this, there's this tribalism, and I've seen it. You know, like even before the movie came out, I saw posts on threads, you know, are you team Sony or are you team Marvel Studios? I, I, I commented on that, you know, recently, you know, the other day, and I forget if it was Flightcast or Flight Chat, but I said, I'm team comic book movie. Okay, I'm tired of this tribalism. I am so sick and damn tired of this tribalism. And, you know, it, it was one thing, you know, it's been Marvel versus DC for the longest. Now it's Marvel Studios versus Sony. Are you kidding me? That is the height of corporatism. And one more time, you know, louder for the people in the back. These corporations are not your friends. These corporations are not hanging out with you, shooting the shit with you, grabbing a beer with. These are not the people that you look upon to give you everything that you want as a friend. They're out to make money. All of them are. Don't tell me Marvel Studios isn't. They most certainly are. That's why they made 33 movies in the last 15 years. And if you can't understand that, if you can't open your eyes and get your head out of the sand and realize that, then I that's your problem. You have an issue with that. And so the idea that you would take sides... And, you know, all these people, it's it's no different than the whole, the, 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 remember five or six years ago when you had all the MCU fans that were, they were hoping and praying that Disney would buy out Fox just so that they could get the rights to Fantastic Four and X-Men, completely disregarding the thousands of jobs and all the people that were going to get put out of work as a result of a massive merger like that. It's the same stupid shit here. They want Sony to sell the rights to Spider-Man to Marvel back so badly because then in the MCU, he'll, his story will be done proper and we don't have to worry about all these weak-ass attempts by Sony. Four movies. Four movies since 2019, right? Isn't that when Venom came out? 2018, 2019? Four movies in the last five or six years and you guys are, are, are caterwauling. You guys are whining like little babies. Seriously. Over four movies that at worst, in my opinion, are mid 
you know, because my goodness, it it's not if it's not Marvel Studios, then it's not Marvel. And get the hell out of here with that tribalist, snarky bullshit. It is the height of ridiculousness for you to be taking sides in a corporate sense between Marvel Studios and Sony. It's stupid. It's ignorant. It's ridiculous. And I, I tell me I'm wrong, seriously. And you're gonna try. I know. I know there are plenty of people that are gonna be like, Ray, it has nothing to do with Marvel Studios. The the hell it doesn't. You want to sit there and honestly tell me that if that movie didn't have a, that exact same movie, right? Now, don't tell me that Feige would have changed things or anything. You take that exact same movie, all the liberties that it took with the Madam Web character. You take that exact same movie, you slap a Marvel Studios logo at the beginning of it, you tell me it's not received differently, it most certainly is. And you can try and tell me that it isn't, but I, I doubt you could look me in the eye and say that. And if you can look me in the eye and say that, then I think you're delusional. I do. And that's just my subjective opinion. It's all subjective. I can believe whatever I want. But that's absolutely the second group that doesn't like this movie. The people that are MCU or bust. No one but Marvel Studios and Lord and Savior Kevin Feige should be allowed to make Marvel movies. Bullshit. So that's the second group that hates Madam Web irrationally. How about the third group that hates Madam Web irrationally? And that is diehard Spider-Man fans. And these aren't just diehard Spider-Man fans of the movies, but also diehard fans of the comic. That's that's where it comes from. And I'm willing to give them a little bit more of the past. I still think they're being irrational, and I still don't think they're being fair, but they're coming at it from the perspective of what they know of Madam Web in the comics. Now, I've never read a Madam Web comic, you know, and I really didn't know the character existed until they announced this particular film a couple of years ago, or however long ago it was. But from what I know and from what I've, I've done some light research on the history of the Madam Web character. And I do see the liberties that they clearly took in the movie with respect to, you know, her, her blindness and her abilities and, and, you know, her, her origins and how the other girls fit into it. Cause I, I guess the best way that I could describe it, it, it seems to me, it's kind of a similar situation. Like with, with Dick Tracy, Dick Tracy, if you watch the Dick Tracy movie, the two like uh, other cops that are working with him are Hank Ketchum and Pat Patton, Right. But the thing is, if you read the actual Dick Tracy comic strip, Hank and Pat weren't with Dick Tracy at the same time, right? He started with Pat Patton, and then later, it was Hank Ketchum. Like, he never was with the two of them. The two of them were never with him at the same time. And it's the same with a lot of the other villains, like Pruneface and Big Boy Caprice and, and, and Flattop. They weren't all together at the same time in the comic strip, chronologically speaking, but they were all together at the same time for the, the Warren Beatty movie that was made in 1990, right? And so I look at the Madam Web situation very similarly, where the other spider women, you know, uh, uh, the, the Julia, Maddie, and Anya, apparently, as, as I understand it, they all become Madam Web at a different point, right? Like, I think Julia becomes Madam Web, you know, because Cassie dies and she transfers her consciousness to her, something to that effect, right? So I, I think they all, like progressively become Madam Web later on. And I, I don't know, I, and again, I'm, I'm just coming at this from a very late, some very late research, some Wikipedia research, if you will. They weren't all together at the same time. So it's a similar situation here. But, you know, it, yeah, their liberty is taken. 
But to me, the reason I feel like, all right, I'm going to give the diehard Spider-Man fans a little bit more of a pass, but the reason I still think they're being irrational about this in terms of their unbridled hatred and vitriol towards this movie is because all comic book movies are Elseworlds. We have said this. I have said this. I will continue to reiterate this as many times as possible until fans listen, which will be never. All comic book movies are Elseworlds. All of them. You don't have to like them. In fact, you can go ahead and pathologically hate them, just like a, a number of you apparently want to do with this particular film. But they're not supposed to be devoutly accurate to the comics. It's not the same. It's a movie. It's a completely different medium. It's a completely different audience that they're targeting towards. And whether they target it towards that audience effectively or not, within marketing and within the structure of the storyline itself and everything that we've talked about, that is, you know, the, the tenets of these movies, it doesn't matter. Like, you holding it to that holding its feet to that fire is not 100% fair. It's not. Like, are there core tenets in the movie that hold true to the Madam Web story? Sure there are. I mean, I think objectively speaking, you have to say that there are. You don't have to like how they're translated. You don't have to like how they're presented. You can absolutely flat out hate the way that they're presented. But I can also say that you're being very irrational and unfair in terms of that. But that's your business, right? And, you know, for all of this, you know, whatever opinions anybody wishes to have about Madam Web, it is all subjective. You can hate it as much as you want. You can absolutely categorically disavow it as much as you want. You can go on threads and you can go on Twitter your X and you can go on, you know, Facebook or wherever social media and you can loudly voice your displeasure. You can share all the Chris Stuckman and YouTube videos from other people that agree with you as much as you want. You're all wasting your time. All of you. You're all wasting time, energy, and life force bitching and whining about this movie. You are. You absolutely are. You know, if I didn't like Madam Web, I would give my thoughts on it. You know, if I didn't, if I thought it was a bad film, I would give my thoughts on it and that would be the end of it. And you, I wouldn't have, I posted about the reaction to Madam Web three or four times yesterday on threads. I would have posted once, once, and that's it. You know, I, I wouldn't have decided to take a day or two or several days to continue to voice my displeasure on it. And it is disheartening when I see some other mutuals, you know, like there, there's, there, there's a, again, I'm not going to name names. I'm not. I named one name. I, 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 I named Brent only because he made the comment about Superman 3, and that is it. But I'm not going to name any of the other accounts that I saw say some worse stuff than he did, right, with respect to Madam Web. But there, there's one account that, you know, prides itself on, you know, being a huge fan of the comics and, you know, talking about positivity with the comics. And that individual still had to take almost a full day to complain and whine and bitch about Madam Web, the movie. And to me, that, you know, I, I was this close to unfollowing him. I was. I was that close. I was like, you know what? And that's where I, I came up with the decision. I was like, okay, I'm not going to unfollow you. I'm going to give you a chance to get all this shit out of your system, all this toxicity. Because it is toxicity. Whether you want to say that it is or not, negativity is toxic. Negativity is most certainly toxic, right? It, like, where is it healthy to be negative about an art form? You know, where is it healthy to be to be that negative and to be that vitriolic about anything? You know, and, and you could call what I'm doing negative and vitriolic. No, I, it, it's catharsis, to be honest with you, because my issue is with the negativity. I'm not spreading negativity. I am taking aim at it and saying that people don't need to be this damn angry about a flippin' comic book movie. They just don't. You know, and if you're a diehard Spider-Man fan and you hate what this movie does to the Spider-Man lore, or if you're upset that Spider-Man wasn't in it or wasn't directly referenced to it, that is your business. But why? 
Like, like, like what, what is the point of that energy? What is the point of being so upset and, 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 you know, that vitriolic about it, you know, especially considering that once again, all comic book movies are Elseworlds. We really don't know what universe this Madam Web movie takes place in. We're not certain of that. With all the multiversal stuff that's been going on between both Sony and Marvel Studios, who knows exactly what universe this is in with respect to, you know, is it Toby? Is it Andrew? Is it Tom Holland? We don't know. Could be something completely different, right? You know, and, and it's funny because the other reaction that I see from diehard Spider-Man fans, you know, with respect to this is because I'm still on that group is they talk about how I don't understand how the studio that produces the Spider-Verse animated films can produce these. I can. I most certainly can. First of all, the, the animated Spider-Verse films, you know, they, they're not going to get into, you know, this goes into what we, we talked about the other day, you know, with the Coyote versus Acme situation. This goes into animation not being as re respected and, you know, the, the executives not digging their claws as much into animation as they do into live action. There's a lot more pressure on live action. And, yeah, you, you would think that the, the bag would be fumbled a lot more with animation than it is with live action because they care more about live action. But the reality of the situation is that live action, it's the reverse. Because live action, they're, li they're more liable to have too many cooks in the kitchen, whereas animation, they're fine with one cook or two because it's animation who gives a shit right? That's how they look at it. So you want something where the suits and the executives are less involved, where there is less bureaucracy in that regard. That's what it comes down to. So that's why there is a delineation, as far as I'm concerned, between the Spider-Verse animated films and the live-action Sony Universal Marvel characters slash Sony Spider-Verse films in that regard. But even so, even with that, it's still Elseworlds, okay? No one has ruined the Spider-Man lore by making this Madam Web movie. It's not ruined for all time. You can read your damn Spider-Man comics as much as you want. You can go back and watch the Tobey Maguire trilogy as much as you want. You can watch the Andrew Garfield duology as much as you want. You can watch No Way Home and the Tom Holland films as much as you want. This doesn't do anything to erase them, right? It's the same thing I tell people, you know, the, the Superman 78 pearl clutchers that hate Man of Steel. You can watch Superman 78 whatever you want. Or the, the, the Batman v Superman haters that, you know, latch on to the no-kill rule. You can read the no-kill comics and you can watch the Batman and everything else where he observes the no-kill rule as much as you want. Even though he kills, almost every incarnation of him is killed except maybe for Robert Pattinson in this regard. At least in a live-action sense. But at any rate, this doesn't ruin anything about Spider-Man lore whatsoever. It's an adaptation. It is... A variant, if you will. It, it, it is an Elseworlds variant of a version of the Madam Web story that was aimed at the general audience, period. And the general audience, you know, again, you know, I mentioned before about how there were about 20, 30 people in my theater. And, you know, when certain jokes came up, the general audience did laugh. And there were certain, like, you know, emotional moments in the movie that the general audience did react to. Dare I say that this is a movie that would be far more appreciated by the general audience than fandom. Absolutely. Because they're not as, you know, roped in. They're not as devout. They're not as locked into the mythology. This is where superheroes being a genre actually helps them because their expectations are level set. And that goes into my fourth group here that doesn't like the Madam Web film. The people that are unable to level set comic book movies the people that go into every comic book movie expecting Avengers, Infinity War, or Zack Snyder's Justice League, that's stupid. That's illogical. That's ridiculous. There's no way that every comic book movie is going to be on that level, subjectively speaking. It's just not. 
you know, and, and, and even from an objective standpoint, you know, less money is going to be spent. You know, the, the casts are going to be smaller. The stories are, are potentially going to be smaller. It's just not going to be the same type of production value as you get from some of these other films. So there's going to be a hierarchy. There's going to be certain levels. And I'm sorry, if you looked at the Madam Web movie and expected Avengers Infinity War or expected Zack Snyder's Justice League, that's your fault. That's 1000% your fault. Not Sony's fault. Not S.J. Clarkson's fault. Not anyone, you know, the cast and crew's fault. Not at all. Certainly not. You didn't level set your expectations. I did. And I came out of that theater not disappointed. I came out of that theater going, that was an okay movie. Not great, but okay. Right? So I'm happier than you. Significantly happier. Because I don't feel the need to hate the movie. Now, does that make me better than you? No. I'm not talking about being better or worse than somebody, but I am happier. I am much happier than anybody that decides to waste their time on social media or on podcasts or on YouTube bitching and moaning about this movie. I'm much happier than all of you. Those of you that saw the movie and didn't like it. I am. And and that is objective in that regard. I am definitely happier that that is a fact. I am happier than you. Those of you who hate Madam Web, I am much happier. And to that end, I pity you. Because I feel like if you level set and if you were a bit more, you know, reasonable and rational about it, then you would at least see it as okay. But you know what? That's your business. It's your business if you want to feel that strongly about this particular film. But not every comic book movie is going to be Captain America the Winter Soldier. Not every comic book movie is going to be Wonder Woman or Man of Steel, right? It's not all going to be like that. There are going to be certain comic book movies that come out that are going to be meh, that are going to be okay. And there are going to be some that are bad. There are. That's just how it goes, right? And you can be as disappointed with that as you like, or you can, you know, if, if you're somebody that actually likes being happy, because I do contend that a lot of people that, you know, tend to be hyperbolic about their anger and, and their, you know, frustration with respect to what they consider a bad comic book film, I do question how much these people want to be happy. I do. I do question that. Because I feel like if you wanted to be happy about some of these movies, you wanted to be happier than you would be. And you wouldn't necessarily, you wouldn't be Team Sony or Team Marvel or Team DC. You would be Team Comic Book Movie, like I am. And again, I'm not calling myself better. I'm just saying I'm happier. I am happier than you, not better than you. And I will take happy every day of the week. I will take being happier than most comic book fans and, and, you know, comic book movie fans every day of the week. Now, if you want to come at me with the whole, well, then... If it's really just an okay movie, then how come more people in the general audience aren't seeing it? Well, I mentioned it earlier. I think Sony's marketing is trash. I don't think that their marketing is very good with respect to these films. I don't. Not at all. And, and I, I don't expect it to be good for Craven. I, I feel like unless it's Spider-Man, I feel like the power of Spider-Man allows them better marketing. And that, that might also lend itself to why the, I think the marketing for Venom and even Let There Be Carnage was, was stronger. Because... Spider-Man and any characters directly connected to Spider-Man, I think, just get a stronger push inherently because of their nature and because of how much in the, the, the comic book fans' eyes they're in. Somebody like Morbius or Madam Web, I mean, there are comic fans or, and comic book movie fans that don't even know those characters, right? And, and they're going to do the Craven movie later this year, right? Like, I, I just don't see the visibility being that strong. So that's where extra marketing push is going to be necessary. And Sony's not up to the challenge. I don't know why I'm not entirely sure what the deal with that is, but you know, I, I don't think that they market these films very well. And so I think that's a big reason why the, the, the general audience will dismiss them, 
you know, and, and not necessarily go see them on opening weekend, right? They, where's the impetus? You know, where where is the, the, the extra juice for that, right? It, it's not Spider-Man. It's not Venom, right? It's not Peter Parker. It's not Eddie Brock, right? You know, it, it, why should they care as much unless you give them a reason to care more about it? And this is where, you know, Sony, or not Sony, but Marvel Studios and DC Studios, this is where the both of them taking a break, taking a year off, can benefit them and I think will benefit them because this is a situation where, you know, taking that year off, you know, with the exception of, you know, Deadpool and Wolverine, right? You'll, you'll have that, but, you know, before you get hot and heavy back into the bulk of your schedule in 2025 and before we, you know, really see the, the, the hot and heavy, you know, Superman legacy, you know, the, the, the big, huge start for the DCU in 2025, this is an opportunity for palate cleansing, right? So the, now the critics and now the general audience that have been used to a certain tone and, and a certain stylism from either Marvel studios or DC studios, they will, you know, have this year off, you know, to, to, to cleanse the, the mind or whatever. Right. And then, you know, you come back next year with the bigger marketing and the big push. And now, okay, here's where we're headed for the future. Sony isn't doing that. Sony's not doing that. And, and you know, I'm not saying that Sony necessarily has to do that because their franchise is not nearly as big as either Marvel, like it's not as big as, you know, like as far as the, as far as the number of movies they've made, it's not as big as the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and the hype is not as big as the DC Universe, right? The DC Universe hype is there, because of Superman and Batman and, you know, all the other, Green Lantern, all the other characters that James Gunn and Peter Safran have told us will be involved in the DCU, right? There, there's bigger hype there than there is for Sony's films at this point, so they're under the radar, but the thing about that is them being under the radar also hurts some of the box office, they gotta find a way to make that splash without Spider-Man, and that's what they're struggling with. Films that do not directly involve Spider-Man do not do as well. Madam Web is not going to do as well. It's probably going to be maybe less than Morbius numbers, right? And, and it's not going to hurt them as badly because the budgets are significantly lower than that of an MCU film or a DC film, you know, typically speaking, right? But if they want these films to succeed, they're going to have to market them more strongly, and yeah, there is going to have to be less cooks in the kitchen. You are going to have to to really settle on some type of a plan, you know. And I'm not saying that that stuff doesn't hurt them. Of course it does. But I I think that that's what hurts them more in the eyes of the general audience than you know any of the stuff that I feel like a lot of you guys are upset with the Madam Web movie about, you know, because it does this to the Spider-Man lore and it's offensive to me in that regard. And it's like no, they tried to make this geared towards the general audience. They didn't market it well enough. And, you know, they, they, they didn't give the general audience enough of a reason to get to the theater to experience it. I feel like if more of the general audience, a better marketing push for Madam Web would yield them a better opening weekend. I do. I do feel that way. And and again, I don't know that it would have beaten the Bob Marley film. I don't know because that movie made like 51 million in its opening weekend. I don't know that it would have been that successful. I don't, you know, because of the, the it's February, you know, and we're still in the middle of award season and all that's going on. I can't tell you for certain that it, you know, they, they would have won the opening weekend, but I do think it would have had a stronger opening weekend than $25.8 million. I, I, I do think that is the case in that regard. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. We'll see, you know, if it has any legs at all, you know, especially in the wake of the critics firebombing it and, you know, just all the stupid hyperbole with critics. I, I, I despise critics so much because they, they make everything personal and they, they just have to be nasty and disgusting and snarky or else nobody will read what they have to say because it's all an attention getter and all that shit, you know, whatever. It's it's stupid. 
and it's illogical and it's completely irrational to me. But you know what? It's all subjective. They can feel however they want. And if you're somebody that hates the Madam Web movie, you can feel however you want. That is your business. I think you're wasting your time and energy. I really do. Because it's not that strong. It's not that serious. It really isn't. But it is your business. You can do whatever you want with your time and energy and your efforts as you like. And I have every right to mute and or block however toxic you decide to be with it on social media. And that is exactly what is going to happen. Because I have zero tolerance for that bullshit anymore. I don't. If you just want to sit on threads and be overly negative about this movie or anything else, I you I have no time for you. None. You do not deserve my attention and you won't get my attention whatsoever. And don't think I haven't already hidden for everyone certain stupid comments that people have made based on the stuff that I posted yesterday. I most certainly have. I will not hesitate to do so at, at, at the drop of a hat next time anybody decides to say something stupid to me about this movie. You, again, you don't have to like it. You can absolutely dislike it. You can feel however you want about Madam Web. Spreading that toxicity, though, being publicly toxic about it, unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. You know, and, and it goes beyond, at this point, just, you know, like taking aim at somebody's art and taking aim at somebody's hard work. You know, it, it, it's now about pushing a narrative, right? Like, here, last thing I will leave off here is I wanted to bring up this article, and, and I don't know... Like, I'll, I'll try and get through it as quickly as I can, but there was an article written by Richard Newby, uh, who I've mentioned before, you know, he, he writes for Hollywood Reporter at times, and, you know, he wrote a, an, an article with respect to, and I don't know if, he, I think he's on threads, but he hasn't been very active on threads, to be honest with you, but he wrote an article recently with respect to this perception about Dakota Johnson and, like, the cast of Madam Web hating their movie based on the press tour and based on this narrative that has been created about it. And this came out a couple of days ago on, on the 16th, you know, and, and Madam Web, that's right, it came out on Valentine's Day. It's been out for even longer, so yeah. But either way, this article by Richard Newby from The Hollywood Reporter, it's a Heat Vision blog article, titled, What Did Dakota Johnson Actually Say? And it said, The Madam West Preb Tour became a tangled web of conspiracy theories and misconstrued quotes to create the narrative that Johnson hated her own movie. So, here, let me, I'm going to end this Madam Web review with this article. So, Richard says, Oh, what a tangled web we've woven. Sony's latest entry in its Spider-Man universe, Madam Web, opened this week to dismal reviews and pessimistic box office prospects. I'm not here to defend the film, he says, but I am here to take issue with the discourse surrounding the movie in recent weeks. It seems it's no longer enough to simply say, I don't think this movie looks good, or I couldn't stand watching this. Even I hated it would do just fine. But we've gotten to a place where we have to misconstrue, manipulate, project, and create conspiracies around films like this one. When the press tour for Madame Webb began at the start of the year, he says, lead actress Dakota Johnson was placed under such scrutiny that it became an absurdist tale of how clicks and engagement are farmed. One of the earliest examples is a quote she gave to Entertainment Weekly about working in front of a blue screen, in which she said, quote, I've never really done a movie where you are on a blue screen and there's fake explosions going off and someone's going, explosion, and you act like there's an explosion. That, to me, was absolutely psychotic. I was like, I don't know if this is going to be good at all. I hope that I did an okay job, but I trusted director S.J. Clarkson. She works so hard and she has not taken her eyes off this movie since we started, end quote. Immediately, websites ran with headlines stating, Dakota Johnson doubts Madam Webb will be good, or Dakota Johnson says making Madam Webb was absolutely psychotic, 
and every negative variation of those headlines you can think of. In the quote, it's clear she's talking about how she's never been part of an acting process like this and didn't know if her performance would be good in terms of working with those unfamiliar events. In many cases, the following sentences of that quote, in which Johnson praises Clarkson, were conveniently omitted, as they didn't fit the story the writer or website wanted to convey. But the narrative that Johnson hated being in Madame Webb caught fire, and as an increasingly headline-driven culture, readers and other entertainment journalists latched onto the idea, finding their own threads to spin into a narrative built on nothing. Yeah, pure disinformation, people, at this point, with respect to, you know, a lot of what you have probably read about Dakota Johnson and Madam Webb. Richard Newby continues on and says, The web became increasingly tangled when keyboard detectives playing at Columbo remembered that in Johnson's Instagram post announcing her involvement in Madam Webb since deleted, along with years of other posts not related to Madam Webb, she'd tagged both Sony Pictures and Marvel Studios. This led to the conclusion that she must have been tricked into thinking she was joining the obvious pinnacle of filmmaking, the MCU, and not, heaven forbid, a Sony Spider-Man film. This tagging discovery, which would best even the great Sherlock Holmes himself, incited the absurd conclusion that a 34-year actress who has spent her life in the industry was tricked into signing a contract to make a movie she didn't want to make after reading the script and watermarked contract. But let's be real. Johnson obviously isn't a Marvel diehard, Richard says. In a recent interview with MTV, Johnson humorously couldn't name a single Tom Holland Spider-Man movie and admitted she'd only seen 4% of all the Marvel movies. She obviously didn't sign on to Madam Web because she couldn't wait to mix it up with Doctor Strange and the Hulk while helping Peter settle into his new digs. But of course, the narrative had spun too far out of control for any logic now. It had been decided by a not insignificant amount of online voices. Dakota Johnson was being forced to promote a movie she hated, one that would inevitably ruin her perfect filmography. Her changing agencies from WME to CAA a week after the Madam Web trailer dropped in November was now being said to have, quote, raised eyebrows, drawing speculation that she was so embarrassed by the movie she had to change agencies. The answer couldn't have been as simple as the fact that actors do indeed change agencies from time to time, or that CAA was also willing to represent her production company, Tea Time Pictures, along with her indie film, Daddio, which, cue the shock and awe, will be released by Sony Pictures Classics, obviously signaling bad blood between the actress and studio. In any case, everything Johnson said and did in the lead-up to this week's release was compiled as evidence of reasons Madam Web was bad. A joke Johnson delivered while hosting SNL about Madam Web being, quote, like if AI had made your boyfriend's favorite movie, referring to the cast of popular actresses, was seen as a criticism of the movie instead of just a standard SNL joke she likely didn't even write. Her interactions with interviewers were criticized for lacking enthusiasm, which if you go back and watch any of the press interviews she's done for her films, she's rarely been an example of boundless energy and giddiness. And her public vibe, at least in terms of press interviews, is often notably deadpan and brutally honest, as the popular clip of her guest appearance on Ellen Showcase. Yes, I remember that. That was People still talk about how contentious that Ellen appearance was. Uh, but Richard Newby goes on to say, Cillian Murphy, another actor, Cillian Murphy, pardon me, another actor who is consistently, though more good-naturedly, subject to the idea he'd rather be anywhere else, recently told GQ that press tours are a broken model and, quote, everyone is bored. And it's understandable. No actor or interviewer wants to be there at the end of a press day. And having been an interviewer at these events, yes, actors, even those who enjoyed being in the project, are bored and tired. 
So why do we think Johnson being asked about the meme culture behind, quote, he was in the Amazon with my mom when she was researching spiders right before she died, end quote, a line that isn't even in the movie and always seemed like standard trailer exposition, would garner anything but puzzled disinterest and daggers from the actress. Not only is it a waste of time, but it's an attempt to bait the actor into mocking her own movie, all based upon the faulty theory that she hates it. From cherry-picking a standard, unsmiling pose on the red carpet at the premiere and claiming she's being held hostage, to taking her admission to the rap about the script, quote, there were drastic changes and I can't even tell you what they were, end quote, as yet more evidence she hated the movie, it has become an odd case of projection that feels performative and tied with our premature desire to categorize everything as the worst or best thing ever. It's no surprise that this also reflects where we are politically, as the way we engage with media is reflective of how we engage with society. Misinformation, conspiracies, misquotes, and binary extremes are all the rage because that's where the money is, in both political coverage and entertainment journalism. Gee, I think I mentioned that earlier, didn't I? He says, There's this pervading feeling that has crept into so much film coverage, Reddit boards, and film Twitter that if we can sustain the idea that a creator or actor hates the film, then we can force it into a reality and thus absolve ourselves of the responsibility of earnestly saying anything meaningful, good, bad, or in-between in a culture that already loves extremes, especially if they're negative. This feels particularly significant, he says, as we saw both ends of that spectrum this week with reactions to Madam Web and Dune Part 2 dropping days apart from each other. We certainly do love to use, quote, unmitigated disaster, worst movie ever made, along with epic masterpiece and unparalleled achievement as often as we can, which is usually two or three times a year just to make sure it sticks. I, for one, can't wait for the next worst movie ever made and unparalleled achievement a couple of months from now. Boy, if he is not hitting the nail on the head with that, this is Aces. This is one of the best things Richard Newby has written, in my opinion. He's written a lot of great stuff over the years, but let's continue on here. He says, if Johnson is stuck in the worst movie ever made, which of course she isn't. No, she's not. She's not alone. We've witnessed social media platforms and critics form odd parasocial and even predatory behavior with talent for years. Memes of Ben Affleck have circulated for years. Whether it be during an interview with Henry Cavill for Batman v Superman that would later have the sound of silence playing over it, or hashtag sad Affleck posts of the actor looking frustrated with dealing with increasingly precarious coffee orders, the man could not catch a break. And sure, part of that comes with the territory of being a celebrity, and the coffee routine could even occasionally be funny. But with it also came the projection of Affleck hates BVS, and quotes turned into misconstrued headlines like, Ben Affleck, I won't do any more interviews with Henry Cavill, while neither of which were true, but were fueled by those who disliked the film and the direction the DCEU had taken. See? You guys want to be part of the mob? You really do? Well, let's continue. And of course, there's the infamous non-spitting incident between Chris Pine and Harry Styles at the 2022 Venice Film Fest during the promotion of Don't Worry Darling. The film had already become a punching bag because of rumors of tensions between director Olivia Wilde and star Florence Pugh, along with rumors of Olivia Wilde engaging in a romance with Harry Styles and frequently abandoning her directorial duties. And internet sleuths had once again set to work going through cast and crew Instagrams in search of evidence that could shame either party. So when Pine appeared to astral project to another plane of consciousness while Harry Styles was talking about the movie being a real movie, the internet was quick to create a narrative that the two actors were feuding and all the reasons behind it. The real reason? Pine was just tired and jet-lagged. But coupled with footage that looked like Pine spit at Styles, he didn't, which was broken down like the Sapruder film, the narrative remained. 
For nearly a decade, we watched critics, audiences, and filmmakers promote the idea that Bruce Willis was lazy, Richard says, didn't care about acting, and was just in it for the money as he released VOD action film after VOD action film. He appeared on countless worst performance of the year lists and was labeled difficult and entirely uninterested in the craft of acting. It went on and on until it was revealed he was suffering from aphasia, and everyone was quick to say they had no idea, and how bad they felt for mocking him all those years and spreading false narratives. None of this is to say he didn't make bad movies, or that any of these actors mentioned haven't been in bad movies. But if the movies are bad or good, we have to own up to the fact that it's because we thought they were, and it shouldn't have anything to do with our expectation of actors to put on a show for us, or be someone else lest we make a fiction of their lives. And certainly... If enthusiasm and feigned interest in dumb questions were evidence of a movie's quality, we would have missed out on a lot of great Harrison Ford films over the years. So, did Dakota Johnson actually enjoy making and being in Madam Web, or did she hate it? Richard Newby says there's no evidence of the latter. But even if she did, who cares? Actors have enjoyed being in bad movies and have been miserable being in good movies. The quality is always subjective to the individual. Oh, what's that? Oh, we're reading that over again. The quality is always subjective to the individual, both in terms of the talent involved and the viewer. Richard Newby gets it. Richard Newby gets it. And he says, but this desire to do a case study on everything an actor says or does while promoting the film and then falsify that information whilst proclaiming it as fact among the masses feels like an attempt to armor a subjective feeling with an objective truth, which isn't how art, good or bad, corporate, independent, should be engaged with. If you didn't like Madam Web, it certainly shouldn't be because Dakota Johnson changed agencies or wasn't smiling enough while answering questions during a 10-minute window. As for the chronically online, I doubt any of this will change much, if anything. Engagement has become all too powerful and constructing false narratives is all too easy. But for entertainment journalists and critics responsible for engaging with some of these narratives, I'd like to think pursuing truth in our work still matters, be it in our long-form writing or our tweets. And I think if any of it matters, then all of it has to matter, even the films you might consider meaningless or beneath you. Is Madam Web a silly film to pursue this topic with, he says? Perhaps, but that's the point. The way we write about what might be labeled as inconsequential is consequential to the larger efforts of becoming better and how we can discuss films and how we can encourage those outside our profession to do the same. Personally, the consensus on Madam Web matters about as much to me as the consensus on the holdovers, which is to say, not at all. We like what we like, and don't what we don't. But regardless of whether it's a film we dislike or one we love, we not only have the power but responsibility to cut through the web of lies and engage with the film as the film, and not as a proxy for clickbait, a few thousand likes, or a runaway narrative that exists outside the boundaries of the screen. That's the article, and round of applause for Richard Newby. That entire article scathing, spot-on, and ultimately utterly truthful. Seriously. He's not kidding. You know, the, the, these false narratives and this other bullshit, and, and I, I've seen some of you guys and, and other people spread, you know, the, the shit around, the, the, the articles and, and the clickbait. You know, look, Culture Crave, Discussing Film, all the outfits that I've unfollowed recently, and even further, The Rap and others. Yeah, You know how they can twist these headlines, especially you DC fans. Those of you that are DC fans out there, you know how these headlines can be twisted. We've seen for years how headlines have been twisted, how quotes have been twisted into clickbait headlines. We know this. We are 
experts on this. We are veterans to this, okay? Marvel Studios MCU fans are just getting a taste of it because they were blissfully unaware of it for however long, right? And they're starting to see it now. But we know about this, DC fans. We know the power of this bullshit, seriously. And again, you don't have to like Madam Web. You don't. You don't have to like it at all. But putting out these bullshit false narratives, utterly unacceptable with respect to you know, this idea that Dakota Johnson hated it, maybe she did or whatever, but trying to internet sleuth and trying to create this this hate train before the movie even releases is utterly unacceptable. And that is why I have openly and actively blocked any asshole that has done that. Any of them. I have no interest whatsoever in what anyone has to say if they are willing to jump into mob mentality that quickly. So I would ask you, and I would question you to make certain that you're not falling into the same mob mentality. If you have your own reasons for why you would, you know, spread hatred or vitriol about Madam Web, you know, and it, and you don't fall into any of the four groups that I talked about, right? And you and you just genuinely don't like it. You know what? Even if you do fall into those four groups, you know what? That is your business. You can do whatever you want. But I am beyond tolerating manufactured toxicity actual toxicity, toxicity that you think is actually genuine, but actually, you know, comes from manufactured place, whatever it is. Toxicity in general is not my bag. Never has been and definitely isn't now that I am away from Twitter slash X and on threads. So, you know, I, I, again, as somebody was like, is Madam Web really the hill that you're going to die on? I'm not dying on a hill. It's not that serious. It's movies. Okay. Not a presidential election, right? Get a grip. Stop taking it so damn seriously. And I, I would certainly say that to all the people that hate this movie for whatever reason. Stop taking it so damn seriously. It's movies, okay? I'm not dying on a hill. I'm standing on a hill of happiness that is higher than yours. Because you're not happy with the film and that's your business. I pity you in that regard. You know, you, you can't even bring yourself to think that the film was mid or okay. That's on you. I'm happier than you. Not better, just happier. And I'm not about spreading any false narratives or any toxic narratives with respect to this film whatsoever. It is a mid Sony Marvel film, mid, you know, an okay film that I was not disappointed that I spent money on. And you know what? May own, truthfully, I own plenty of mid movies. Come on. I own Thor Love and Thunder for crying out loud. And that is purely because I can't own part of a set. I have a rule that when it comes to like owning a franchise, you can't own part of a set. So yeah, I own Thor Love and Thunder. I do. I like a third of that movie, and yet I own it. I didn't pay full price for it, thank God. I paid like $10 for it in that regard. But I still own it, okay? So, you know, mid-movies exist, okay? And if you, if you can't wrap your head around that, or if you have such a, a an aversion to that, well, that's your business. But don't spread lies. Don't spread lies and, and bullshit, and, and, and don't buy into, you know, the, the, the extreme proponents on this, the, the extreme positions on this. It, these movies don't deserve that level of extremes, right? You know, unless you have, you know, a, a very unique situation like what happened with Justice League. And, and that is, you know, anybody that tries to compare this to that movie is so off and, and deserves to be instantly blocked because there's no comparison with respect to all of the nonsense and all the ridiculousness that happened with that movie, as opposed to what's going on here, right? You, 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 it's not a, it's a false equivalency, anybody that makes that comparison. So, and even the reaction to that is not extreme. It's justified, right? With respect to how that goes, you know? So, but embracing extremes one way or the other on this, you know, just as much as the Marvels 
in my opinion, is overhyped. I feel that Madam Web is vastly overhated. And you don't have to like it. But overhating it is, that's a bridge too far as far as I'm concerned. That's very excessive. But it's all subjective. That's your business. If that's what you wish to waste your energy on going forward. I shall not, clearly. And so that is going to do it for this particular episode of Flight Review. My longer than I was thinking I was going to have thoughts on Madam Web. I did give my thoughts on the movie earlier and then talked a whole lot about the extremely hyperbolic reaction to it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Richard Newby. I I haven't talked to him since I left Twitter slash X. He does have a Threads account, but he has not been very active on it at all. I think it's been a number of weeks since he's posted to it. I hope he becomes more active on it because I really have enjoyed his writing and he wrote an absolutely phenomenal piece there about what did Dakota Johnson actually say, you know, which you know, I'm sure a lazy person will take that to mean that I think Madam Web is the greatest comic book movie ever made. And, you know, if you want to be a dumbass about it, you can go ahead and think that. But no, it's just more about the conversation and more about the circumstances surrounding the conversation with these comic book films and how we all should be a lot more responsible about what we spread and about what we say with respect to, you know, any of our feelings, subjectively speaking, good or bad, on any of these movies whatsoever. So thank you, Richard, for that incredible piece that I read through here. And again, thank you to all of you for listening to this show. If you have any thoughts, those of you that have seen Madam Web, or have any thoughts about, you know, the, the discourse centered around these comic book films in general, you know where to find me on threads at the Flightcast. I'm Instagram at the Flightcast. I've got the Flightcast Facebook page. And of course, I can be reached by email at ray at the Flightcast.com. All right. Take care. Stay safe out there. If you haven't seen Madam Web yet and you do decide to spend money and see it, I hope that you at least find some enjoyment out of it. I don't hope that you hate it. I don't hope that you feel strongly one way or the other about it. I just hope that you find some enjoyment out of it, whether you decide to see the theater, whether you decide to wait for streaming, which I know Phil and I think a couple of others have said that as well. Perfectly fine. I don't tell people how to make their decisions. I just offer my opinions on the subject. So hope that you get something out of it to enjoy, whether it is the whole movie or not. But in any case, take care, stay safe out there, and I will see you all next time. Take it easy.